1: I'm HRN's Communications Director Kat Johnson with a preview of this week's episode of Meat in 3.
2: I I think we should realize that we more or less have a broken food system. When 800 million of us go to bed hungry, uh, 600 million are obese, uh, we waste 30% of our food, then something is fundamentally wrong.
1: We'll introduce you to one food waste solution happening in Asia. They introduced a system where residents were issued an electronic ID card that would open an automated bin and enable them to weigh the food waste being dropped off, and then they would be charged, you know, in a certain amount of money yep. for the weight of that food.
2: And we'll take a look at some of the real struggles happening closer to home.
1: How is it possible that a meal that was perfectly fine to consume at 10.59 p.m. then becomes
2: waste at 11 p.m.?
1: So tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network,
2: available wherever you listen to podcasts. This program is brought to you by Jewel. Sous-Vide by Chef Steps. Jewel takes the guesswork out of cooking. Learn more at chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E.
1: What's happening in the world of indoor farming? Find out on return guests from Smallhold and a Grillist on this episode of Tech Bites. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And today I hope that every single one of them is listening to this episode of Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today we have a great show. We're going to welcome back some guests from shows gone by. Shows from 2017, we have Allison Kopp, who is the CEO of Agrilist, which is virtual agronomy. And we have Andrew Carter, who is the co-founder of Smallhold, which is indoor mini farms for mushrooms. So they were both guests in the past. We're going to have them back to find out what is going on in their businesses and in the business of indoor farming. But before we do that, we're going to start this show like we start every show going around the room talking about apps what's your favorite app something new something old we are going to start off with a brand new voice to the show we have matt patterson who is our engineer for the day matt how are you
3: i'm doing great how you doing
1: i'm doing pretty okay have you had pizza yet today
3: I have not yet had pizza, but it seems like an inevitability.
1: It, it kind of does. It's a little bit like the, um, you know, working in the chocolate shop, though. Do you, do you reach maximum threshold on pizza consumption?
3: Uh, you know, I used to only be here one or two days a week. So at that rate, no. But um, now that I'm here a lot more often, I think uh, it's probably rapidly approaching.
1: <laughs> do you have an app that you really like right now? something maybe new you've just discovered or you have like an old favorite that you just keep hitting every day?
3: Um, Yeah, so I was thinking about what am I actually using the most right now? And if I was going to go with just that, I've been using a lot of the Car2Go app recently because I've been uh, jetting around the city Uh, from job to job in this transitional period in my life. But I don't think I actually want to go with that. I would rather hype uh, Podcast Addict, which is the best podcast player in my humble opinion.
1: What makes it the best?
3: Um, It's the best for reasons that a casual podcast listener probably would not like, which is that it is like infinitely customizable. And if you listen to lots and lots of shows, you can tell it exactly which ones you want to have it download automatically, which ones you just want to know that they're out there, but not touch yet, which ones you want to keep 15 episodes of, which ones you want on there permanently, you know, for music or something. Um, so that, that's, that's why it is very, very, uh, powerful.
1: Well, that's appropriate coming from the engineer of the podcast.
3: Yeah.
1: It's <laughs> definitely very appropriate and, and on message. Tell us the name of the app again.
3: It's called Podcast Addict. It's been out for a long time. I use it on Android, but I'm sure it exists for both.
1: And what's your favorite non-Heritage Radio Network podcast? Because I'm assuming Tech Bytes is your favorite HRN podcast, so I don't even need to ask the question.
3: Obviously so. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, what is my favorite? I, my favorite that is putting out episodes right now and is also sort of on message here is Reply All. They just did an amazing series on the computer program that the NYPD uh, uses to track crime statistics and how wow. that has affected, well, how it has perversely incentivized certain things over time. Um, hmm.
1: It's all yeah. about the data. What'd you say? I said, it's all about the data.
3: It's all about the data. What you, uh, what you measure gets managed.
1: <laughs> all right. So Podcast Addict, I will definitely check it out. I, too, enjoy listening to podcasts. Allison, you are the woman in charge of all the data <laughs> for indoor farming. Do you have an app that you like right now? And it just can't be something that you own, invented, or invested in. Ugh.
4: I will throw out my vote for Agarlyst. Then, um, no, I'm actually a really boring app person. So the thing I'm using the most right now is the Delta app because I am on the road a lot. Um, and now I
1: love, I love the Delta app. Well, it's it's
4: a it's a pretty good app actually, and I've become obsessed with um, my status and trying to get to the next level. So I am 10,000 miles away from getting Diamond for the year, um, which is a it's a big milestone as somebody who's never achieved any status for any different kind of traveling thing in my life.
1: Are you going all in with the credit card points and all that? Also, Do you know, sort of George Clooney style. I a la up in the air. Wish I had thought about it ahead of time. Or not actually, up in the air. That wasn't the movie. That was a yeah. It was movie. up in the up in air. The air? It? Yeah, that was it. I think so. Yeah, Where he's We're the flying guy. guy. Yeah. yeah, he's firing everybody. But he's
4: <laughs> yeah. No. So I wish I had I had strategically planned that ahead of time. But no, this is just I've done over hundred thousand miles this year. I've logged so. Wow. Yeah, we've got customers all over the place. So it's uh, it's been fun to go visit people.
1: I really like the Delta app. I like the Delta service. I've been flying a lot to the West Coast myself. And the thing that I love about the app is, A, it's super easy just to buy tickets while you're Mm -hmm. standing in line to Mm -hmm. get on your plane. You can buy your ticket for your next flight. But it also alleviates a lot of my anxiety for looking at airfares on my computer. And I don't even know if it's actually true or if it's a little bit of urban legend where as you start to aggregate all oh, the, the cookies, cookies. <laughs> I'm looking at the airfares. Your airfares are going to incrementally go up and you're never going to find that super cheap fare. All the fares are always on the Delta app. Yeah. I feel like it's its own little ecosystem where it is what it is.
4: Yeah and once you've actually achieved any type of status, it's funny because you can I, like you'll find me aggressively refreshing the page to see if I get the upgrade, upgrade. right or um, you know to, to change flights and things becomes a lot easier. so
1: au contraire, I think the Delta app is wildly exciting because oh, it implies yes. lots of travel <laughs> upgrades. That's right. Gaming, gaming the cookie airline <laughs> artificial price inflation system. Cool. Yeah. I think I like my it. app last I time it. was
4: Venmo, so I'm yeah, I'm very boring.
1: <laughs> you know, but that's I mean the apps are supposed to make our lives better. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, Carter, smallhold, founder, CEO, mushroom guy. How are you? I'm doing all right. Welcome back. Thank you. Do you have an app that you like right now?
5: yeah we were just we were just kind of joking about this because last last time i don't think i had a really good answer um and uh angela de was was saying her her app was shazam and i think after the that that uh our, our podcast i went and downloaded shazam and i had I've, i still have it and i shazam, shazam all the time shazam is um, one of
1: the old favorites it was one of yeah. the first apps I, I still have it on my phone yeah i love
5: it and it's it's just uh, a classic that that always works but um, the the main thing that I've been using a lot um, is kind of the anti-app. I was using this thing called Moment for a while, which is it kind of tracks your screen time. And I am unfortunately very addicted to my cell phone, and so I was really interested in, in kind of understanding that. Um, but what happened uh, really recently is iOS updated the, the software, and now there's screen time tracking, like, integrated. Yes. Which is a Automatic. cool thing and horrible thing at the same You're time. You're not
1: the first person I've heard from who is... Horrified yeah. by the the constant and new updates and realizations of how much time they're spending on their phone. Yeah,
5: and it's it's just depressing because you know if I don't use my phone at all, somehow I spend an hour of my day on it. But generally, you know, it's 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 a lot, and when you add it up. Um, just, just don't do that if, if you want to have a, <laughs> a nice day. Um, think about how much time you spend on your cell phone. But um, I, I really love my cell phone. I really love all the apps, but but I'm kind of trying to uh, wean, wean myself off of it, if possible.
1: Well, you know, we have done a couple of episodes on Tech Bytes on disconnecting from your tech mm-hmm. with a wonderful acupuncturist, Paul Alexander. And they're both really great episodes. One is... Sort of little things you can do throughout the day to get off your screen and be, you know, more uh, in the present and more, I guess, mindful would be the hashtag word to use right now. <laughs> and then there's a second episode, second or third episode, which suggests a much more radical, but potentially more deeply gratifying 24-hour disconnect from technology and doing a 24-hour tech, people, and food fast.
5: Wow. Yeah. So nothing.
1: Nothing. Just oh. like you, liquid, like tea, water, and maybe books. That's The wild. outdoors. No talking <laughs> wow. to other people. You can talk to yourself. Yeah. You could just hang out. Crazy. Read books, write <laughs> letters. 24 hours. You'd be sleeping for part of it, though. That's, That's true.
4: true. That's true. <laughs> And then you don't set. You hour. don't go on a set a long hop, like hike, long walk.
1: Totally, yeah. go on a ho- go on a hike, go on a walk. You could take naps. You're not setting an alarm because you're no technology. So you just go to sleep and wake up. A little candlelight, read that some books, so bad. magazines, write yeah. a letter, make notes.
3: I've done ten day meditation retreats that are essentially that, uh, and I can promise you, you don't go crazy until a little deeper in. Takes, <laughs> a, takes a couple <laughs> days. The 11th day.
1: Ten day meditation retreat, where were you?
3: Uh, I've done two. One in California one in Thailand. Hmm.
1: So, you go and then you spend the entire ten days without technology?
3: I mean, uh, yeah. You spend the entire ten days without technology, I suppose you could say, and, uh, you without talk? interaction with other people, too.
1: Oh, well, I'm going to talk to you about that after the show. There's a, a Thailand retreat that I read about where you go and you're in like a little hut and then you group up with everybody and it's meditation on a mountainside. It sounds amazing. A little terrifying, but amazing. Amazing.
3: Yeah, I can give you a very realistic and mixed portrayal of what might happen to you while that while that goes down.
1: Oh my God, that might be a show. That might be our disconnect show. We're going to talk more about this later, Matt. But you might be coming on and sitting in the side of the booth.
3: That sounds frightening.
1: <laughs> well, as I said at the top of the show, um, you know, every now and again, it's nice to have people come back, and you know, we talk to so many founders of new businesses. It's nice to get people back in the booth and talk about how business has progressed and what's happening and where they think their industry is going. And I feel like indoor farming is a big thing right now, Um, getting more and more popular. We see it more and more in the news. It's more and more of a subject at the different food conferences and meetups and things like that. And with the purchase of Whole Foods by Amazon, you know, food is increasingly becoming more tech available, I think. And I think that's probably going to be a a huge influence to come, even though we probably don't even know what that is yet. So Andrew, we'll sort of do Andrew's the farm, and then we can go to Allison, who's the farm agronomist, and then sort of we can integrate them in like that, (laughs) I think. Um, Andrew Carter, he was here back in November of 2017. If you want to go back and listen, he is episode 119. Mini Farms Inside Restaurants. We had him in with Angela DiMayuga, who was at the time the chef of Mission Chinese Food, the Lower East Side Outpost. And Smallhold is mini farms, mushrooms, self contained. Um, I would encourage everyone to go to their website, which is smallhold.com. They are really groovy looking. They are kind of uh, like futuristic food vending machines with like purpley lights. Thank you. Sort of what they look like. I think it's it's like very. It's very um, (laughs) Blade Runner. Yeah. Twenty forty nine.
5: Uh, Let's go with the original Blade Blade Runner. Yeah,
1: I
4: have to tell you guys
1: just a
4: tiny Blade Runner story. But the
1: second one's more (laughs) futuristic.
4: (laughs) I was on the airplane the other day, and the person next to me was watching the new Blade Runner movie, and the opening scene is actually in Spain. It's all the greenhouses in Almeria. Oh. Yeah, and so... They zoom in on it and of course as a as a greenhouse nerd, I think he's watching a tomato documentary. And so I poke him on the (laughs) shoulder and I'm like like, Oh my god, oh my god (laughs) Hey, 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 where what what um you know, what where is that tomato documentary? And he's like, What in the heck are you talking about? Uh, This is this is Blade Runner. I am like, Okay, I'm gonna back away, be my nerd (laughs) self, but really wish it was a tomato documentary.
1: That's amazing that you know that that you (laughs) tagged the indoor farm as that was just you know B-roll in Blade Runner. Yeah, it was just spectacular. (laughs)
3: Also, you you managed to out nerd the guy who was watching Blade Runner on the plane. that's incredible. Yeah, it's uh, It's hard to do. Good
4: moment of my uh, embarrassing Mm -hmm. nerd life.
1: Yes, I I agree that the first one was better, but I really enjoyed the second one, and I'm I'm Disappointed of people hating on the second one because I thought they did a great job.
5: Yeah, no, I, 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 I would, I'm not going to hate on it. I just, uh, as far as small holds concerned, I would okay. like, okay, like associate. You want to be in the early one.
1: future, not the future future. <laughs> exactly. You want to be in future past, not yeah, future future. Please. Okay, okay. So that was just about a year ago, and you were growing and putting installations around, and now you have. A huge installation, which is very exciting, out at Whole Foods in Bridgewater, New Jersey, which yeah. I think is probably one of the greatest updates that yeah, you have for us. Totally. Where you've taken it from, sort of like restaurant to the people. Yeah, how'd absolutely. that happen?
5: Um, well, we were sort of talking with them for a while. Um, we met a group of them. Um,
1: them being the Whole Foods people.
5: Oh, a whole slew of Whole Foods gang. Um, there, and you were, were
1: talking a, with them pre-Amazon.
5: It was pre-Amazon. Yeah, um, and. Essentially, at that point, we were so early and we had a concept, and we were sort of figuring out the initial stages of our technology. But we were growing mushrooms and we were kind of getting out there and talking to different people. Um, And uh, some people from uh, sort of local and regional uh, and some global team members came to our offices, and we just kind of got to know each other. So we would go to different events and we would
1: did you go after them and reach out to them, or did you happen Not, to run into people, it and it was kismet of, at some food tech conference?
5: Uh, it was uh, food tech conferences, but a lot of it had to do with the fact that I've kind of run in the same circles for quite some time now, and so I was working in indoor ag previous to Smallhold, and so we were kind of, we all had a uh, close association anyway, and so... Um, As soon as we started launching Smallhold, I could go to these events and say, hey, we we have something really interesting going on. Um, Do you guys want to check it out? And it was, uh, in a way, a sales process in the fact that they are Whole Foods and we're a young company that would totally love to be there. Um, But at that point, we weren't really sure how we would even proceed with that. Um, And I think
1: even just the opportunity for many small food businesses, any food business, really, getting into... Whole Foods and talking to decision makers about being in the stores is a is a pretty big deal that I think would be on a lot of founders' wish lists.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and yeah, I mean, I think that there were a lot of reasons why that kind of happened, but um, I think a big thing is that we were just growing mushrooms in the city. Like, people really wanted to see people growing mushrooms. People, a lot of people haven't really seen those kinds of operations, and so just taking someone into a restaurant or into a warehouse and showing them these this small group of people doing something really crazy it's just it's it was really interesting for for even you know the executives there
1: it's because it's different from what we typically see which is greens and fish
5: i think that that's part of it i'm sure that you know it, that's also interesting for certain people as well um i wouldn't say that it's 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 worse or anything but i i do think that i i mean until before I started growing mushrooms, I didn't actually get to see a bunch of mushroom facilities. We had to kind of figure it out, and then get to the point where we can go and visit um, some bigger facilities around the world. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a really interesting process just because they, um, you know, they were they were intrigued, but we didn't really have much to sell at that point in the early days. Um, but. You know, sort of later down the road, when we have more of our system in place and we had um, our remote management system up and running, um, we kind of pitched it to them, and they they want to do it. And so it's it's a it's a really good success. It's been in there for about. Seven months now? six, six, so seven months?
1: Describe it to us. It's out at the Whole Foods in Bridgewater, New Jersey, which yeah. is a big suburban store. It's a
5: big suburban store. It's a new store. Um, and it's right in the produce aisle. And so you walk in um, and right to your left is where they have their mangoes and their bananas and every, you know, a big produce section. But then right in the produce aisle is this essentially double wide small hold unit and they can grow up to 150 pounds a week out of that thing um they're they're growing around 80 to 100 pounds a week currently it really depends on their demand um and it's glows blue uh it's growing currently a bunch of oysters and lion's mane all different colors um and it's clad in this kind of wooden facade that that fits in with the uh the whole, Foods whole Foods aesthetic. Aesthetic, yeah. Brand. Exactly. Yeah. Who
4: harvests? Like, who actually operates it? Is it excellent Whole Foods? question?
5: Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of a partnership between us and them, uh, and so the agreement is actually the customer harvests, but um, we want to make sure they're really happy, and we do provide that as part so of. So the service. customer
1: being the small holds customer, which is Whole Foods. Whole Foods, yeah. not the Whole Foods customer. It's not like exactly. when you're in the bakery section and you can open up the plastic. No. Shelf and reach in and grab a cookie.
5: Yeah, we're, we're not there yet. That is kind of the dream. Um, but, you know, it's we, we need to... The, the goal of what we're doing is to make this standardized and affordable. Um, we want to have organic produce grown on site that's competitive with everything else. And if you make it really, you know, fantastical and make it, make it like more of an experience, it just generally makes it more expensive. Um, and maybe down the road we can get there. Um, but we're not there quite yet.
1: So did you train Whole Foods staff to harvest? Do you send someone in to harvest? I think that's yeah, think excellent. Right. I was wondering the same thing.
5: Yeah, so currently um, we, so how how we function is, is we pre-grow all of the substrate off-site. And so that's what we call the distributed farm. Um, Whole Foods is just kind of one part of our larger footprint of, and what that allows us to do is have buying power of a large farm. We're not just, you know, operating a small farm. It's just a little piece of, our large footprint um, and so we'll deliver substrate to them either weekly or every couple weeks um, and at that point we'll harvest as well um, that's just kind of part of our service as well as the remote management um, and so when they get a new variety for whatever reason like if they want to change to lion's Main, for example uh, their whole system is updated it's connected to uh, the cloud through cellular network um, we, we do all of that for them, and so they don't actually have to understand how to do any of the technical aspects of farming. Um, they just have to have it there and you know allow us to put the produce right on the shelf.
1: That's amazing. That's Thanks. really fun. Um, it's I wish cool, yeah. I wish it wasn't so far away. I would go and visit <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: but I can vis- I guess I can visit it virtually online and go to your website and look at... Um, it. Have you done a video or something like that? Um, or like one of those 360 things? That would be a cool experiential.
5: That would be really cool. Marketing. We did um, tool to have. We have had a lot of press about it, but no actual videos. Now that I'm thinking about it, we could, could do that. That could be fun. Yeah. Great. Um. Yeah.
1: And you also grew your company, right?
5: Absolutely. Yeah. Um. I think when we were when we were chatting, we were a team of four, and now we're a team of ten. That's amazing. So it's cool. We we moved our offices from Bushwick to Fort Greene. Um, I miss Bushwick, but, uh, Fort Greene's great. We're right outside, of, outside of the Navy yards. We have a lot more room to grow. Um, we have air conditioning and heat, which oh, is a plus. A oh, um, wow. <laughs> from last year.
1: Moving on up. Luxury. <laughs> yeah. Luxury. Digs. Um,
5: yeah, no, it's, it's great. I mean, you have
1: two things that we kind of don't have here at heritage radio <laughs> badge I mean, of honor heat for and air conditioning <laughs> yeah. at the appropriate moments is kind yeah. of a crapshoot in the studio. Yeah.
5: <laughs> um, no, so, it's great. Yeah. So
1: that's great. So you have grown, and Allison, you have almost quadrupled your staff as well since you've been back here. Allison was mm-hmm. here in July of 2017. Her episode is number 106, titled Grillist: Virtual Agronomist. Welcome back. Thanks for So you're me. like a year and a half out, so you have a couple yeah. extra months of runway. Yeah. But you went from like seven to 20 or something like that in terms yeah, of your stuff, which is about huge.
4: And we're about 22 or so. And we're growing pretty quickly. We've got, I think we've got eight open positions right now. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: So if you're out there and you're looking for a job in the food tech ag space, eight openings? I
4: think so. Yeah. Everything from sales and marketing to engineering. So we'd
1: love to hear from you. Where can people find listings? The listings are uh, actually I don't know where the listings <laughs> are. This is like uh, I, I think go, go to the, the Delta, Delta app.
4: We, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go to the Delta app. Fly to New York. Um, no, download, you can just, just in-flight services. Yeah, yeah, you can just reach out to us. I'm I'm easy. I'm a k o p f at agrilist So it's a it's pretty easy to get a hold of us. And and I can I can send links. I also post them on LinkedIn and and all over the place. We have a jobs page. I just don't actually know what the what the site is? Oh, I'm
1: sure that's delegated to an HR type Can person. On our website. Team builder person.
4: Oh, we don't have an HR person, but we're hiring
1: one. Excellent, <laughs> first hire HR person to hire more people. Well, that's great. So, what do you? Where has your business grown the most, or is it just all of it growing? Yeah, it's all growing. It's a uh,
4: so it's really funny. I was thinking back the other day when when you asked us to come back on, and I was trying to think about where we were in July, and it was hard for me to. Conceptualize where we were. But um, really, what happened for us is that during our first year and a half of sales, we focused on selling to pretty small growers. So, for us, that's under an acre in size. And we used that to really help build out the product and get value to growers and help them expand. And what we saw in, in around December was that a few of our growers were adding a lot, a lot of acreage. So, they were going from something like 10,000 square feet to 19 acres, 20 acres. And what they needed from us was a little bit different. It was a lot more comprehensive. They needed us to touch a lot more of their business operations. So, you know, our core product in July was really seed to harvest management. What are you scheduling? Where is it going? What are you planting? How long should it take? What should you be harvesting from it? And, in, uh, and so towards the end of the year, we realized we had to really start touching inventory control and management, food safety, compliance schemes, uh, market demand, and, and who you're selling to and trying to predict that. Um, looking at POS and sales systems. And that sounds
1: like a lot, everything. a lot, a lot of information. Yeah.
4: You can imagine that if it costs you money or, or gets you money in any way, we should probably touch it. And that's what we started expanding. It's aggressive. Yeah. And it's a, it's a big goal and, uh, and we built it all out. So, um, we sort of achieved that goal in December, January and started selling to much larger facilities. So we got, a lot of the major um, growers of berries and fruits and, and fruiting crops like tomatoes and cucumbers and um, and peppers and some of the leafy greens growers, and so like
1: the tomato farm in Spain that's in like the, the tomato farm of in Spain and yeah, exactly yeah we are in El Maria, so we are
4: in Spain that's we're in Spain Canada U S Mexico are our primary four markets right now but we're in twelve countries and um, so we started expanding into much larger facilities grew the team grew the product and uh, and now we're just keeping on keeping on.
1: Wow. That's fun. That's, I mean, that sounds like amazing growth to me in such a short period of time. I mean, not being extremely well versed in the business side of things, but that sounds spectacular.
4: Yeah. We 10 X our revenue in the last six months. So we're, you're, we're, we're cranking along, which is a lot of fun. Your investors must be happy. They're super happy. I'm happy.
1: <laughs> I think we're all happy. Well, and I would be happy to take a quick pause and find out who the sponsor is of this show. Did you know that Heritage Radio is a 501c3 nonprofit? Do you know that we keep the lights on and the mics hot entirely out of the generosity of our members and listeners like you, grants, and our underwriters? If you want to be an underwriter of the show, get in touch with us, techbytes at org. If you want to reach out to our 100 and 65 countries of listeners if you just want to do something good and keep food radio and conversations alive in this day and age where we need to be talking about all these things in an unfettered public way take a listen see if you're of like mind and come back and uh listen to the rest of the show
2: This program is brought to you by Joule Sous vide. My name is Katie Moseman Wadler. I'm the executive director of HRN and a real life Joule user. I use Joule to help me host the most delicious dinner parties. When you cook with Joule, there's zero guesswork. So, steak, chicken, seafood, turkey, vegetables, and eggs all come out exactly the way you like them. The paired app is super intuitive and has a great visual doneness guide. Joule is awesome for prepping many perfect portions making it easy to cook for a crowd, and it's hands-free so you can focus on entertaining while Jewel does the work. And pro tip, Jewel is also great for travel. I throw mine in my suitcase if I'm headed to a rental house with any kind of uncertain kitchen. From perfect steak to juicy, tender Thanksgiving turkey, Jewel makes the best food you've ever tasted. Just be sure to save some room for mini jars of pumpkin pie. Jewel, perfect food, every time. To get yours, visit ChefSteps.com slash jewel and use code HRN, as in Heritage Radio Network, to get $15 off for a limited time. That's ChefSteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E, code HRN.
1: Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly podcast where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. And today we have a full house. We have returning guests from episodes gone by to find out what's happening in their companies and in the indoor food tech space. We have with us Andrew Carter, who's co-founder of Smallhold. If you want to check them out online, they are smallhold.com on Twitter, at Smallhold, on Instagram, at smallhold.co. If you want to go and eat their f- mushrooms, go to the Whole Foods in Bridgewater, New Jersey. You can look and buy and eat. It's pretty cool. Joining him is Alison Koff, who is the CEO of Agrillist. She was back on in July 20th, 2017, episode 106. If you want to follow her company at agrillist on Instagram and Twitter. That's A-G-R-I-L-Y-S-T. Both of your companies have really grown tremendously since you've been on the show. And would you attribute that to just great business management, great product? Or do you think that there is a boom and a growth in indoor agriculture right now that you're riding a wave that's building?
5: I mean, I think it's kind of it's kind of both. I, I, I think that you know we, I I I think that smallhold in particular um, kind of feeds off of the fact that people really want to have local produce. Um, I think that you know you know in its essence we are ag tech. You know we do have technology and we do agriculture, um, but you know really our customers are just trying to find. Um, something that they can sell their customers, which are, you know, uh, patrons of their restaurant or their, their grocery store. Um, and I, I don't think that's necessarily any different than it was before. Like people really want an interesting product. Um, but I do, I do think that the, the broader, broader society is, is becoming more and more open to food that's grown in these kinds of ways. Um, you know, four or five years ago, you used to have a different kind of conversation. Like, is this healthy? Uh, will this harm it's me? A
1: weird laboratory. For yeah,
5: me. yeah, and and um, and that's changing really rapidly. At least at least in in the conversations that that I'm having, like I, I hardly ever have to explain that anymore.
1: What do you think, Allison? Is the industry growing, and so your business is growing for more opportunity, or are you just growing your company and just getting bigger parts of the existing business?
4: Yeah, same, same, same answer. It's a little bit of both. So for us, we're pretty laser-focused on a problem that is the challenge to run an indoor farm profitably and efficiently and scale. And so, you know, for us, it's really about how do you help every single individual farm that exists already become more profitable and more efficient? But also, how do you help people get into the space easier? And the industry is growing incredibly quickly, but it's also got this old legacy industry that's been around for decades and decades. So it's it's a fun place for us to play because we can stay laser focused with the greenhouses and, and the inner farms that already exist. But we can also help these new growers get into the space, get access to better systems, get access to better financing and close that information gap that you have when you're thinking to yourself, hey, I want to start a farm, but how do I do it? Um, that we can help solve. So we're it's it's a little bit of both, but the industry is definitely growing incredibly quickly.
1: What do you attribute that to?
4: So I think it's part of what Andrew was talking about earlier. I think people are paying attention to their food system a lot more. So there's an interest in um, a secure and stable and safe food system, um, and so there's a need to produce more food. There's a need to produce more efficient uh, food more efficiently with less resources. There's an interest in local. Um, there's an interest in food safety right now, and and how to actually manage that in a more efficient way. Um, I would also add the cannabis industry. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of interest in in that industry right now, which means there's a lot of capital going into it, which by nature is really interesting from a tech perspective, because it ends up leading to more innovation, faster, and then commoditized systems that can become more affordable for people who are on less margins, like vegetables and fruits. Um, so it's a little bit of everything.
1: Well, if you're making a lot of money, then you have money to spend. Exactly. To put back into your mm-hmm. business. and. You know, everything that we read says that the cannabis industry has a lot of money right now. It does. <laughs> Almost more money than they know what to do with and more money than they have banks to put it in. So,
4: Yeah, and it's a challenge, too, because especially in the United States, you know, Canada is a lot further ahead than we are here.
1: In um, which sense?
4: In the legalization side. So they just mm-hmm. passed, you know, federal legalization in um, so. They're, the the infrastructure exists a lot more, whereas the U.S., you have states by coming online on a state-by-state basis, and by nature what you have is growers who have been doing this on a hobby-side, illegal basis for a long time who now have personal to Personal consumption? Yeah, sure, personal consumption, <laughs> we'll say. Um, but now they have to be compliant with the law, um, and so you have lots of money coming out of a system that hasn't had to be legally compliant um, so it has regulation plus money, and so it's funny because when you go to older states, you know, if you go into a Connecticut, grow, uh, they're pretty high tech, they're pretty lab lab based, they're they're clean and, and really compliant. But then you go to the newer states like California, where it's still figuring
1: itself out, um, and so that's I think which is funny because you wouldn't think that California right. would be the the, the one straggler. lagging behind, <laughs> and that you know East Coast, which is. I think we think of as being a little more conservative yeah. would be leading the way.
4: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's true, and it just is dependent on time. Like, how long have you been able to operate the way that you're supposed to operate? Um, so that I think is is very interesting.
1: So both of you talked about well, you know, obviously, Allison, your business is data, mm-hmm. but you talked about over the last 18 months, sort of expanding the depth and breadth of. The data that you produce, that you manage for your customers, and that then you can then connect out to vendors along their supply chain. Andrew, you talk about in being managing all of the information and the entire process with Whole Foods, sort of being a—it a, sounds like a, a total integration and almost like a closed system, so they don't have to worry about anything. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that's so interesting to me in terms of creating an information chain that is expansive along the production chain that is almost closed. It also, you know, we had this conversation right around the same time I did um, an episode on blockchain a couple weeks ago, right around the same time that Walgreens was announcing their blockchain project also in terms of putting blockchain into traceability for their food products. What do you think about Blockchain in your information distribution systems? Do you think, especially for you, Allison, do you think blockchain is going to be a part of what you're going to be doing later? Now? Is it coming? Is it just a flash? Is it like the internet and the Amazon? Yeah, I mean, and it's going to be the thing so five years from now. The way
4: that I think about blockchain, you, you, you have to take a step back for technology because every piece of technology as it comes online should be treated as a tool um, more so than sort of the end all be all solution. I think, you know, traceability is a challenge, but uh, blockchain at the core of it really is just a different type of way of storing data. Um, so the way that we approach the blockchain, generally speaking, is that uh, it is not part of uh, the ecosystem yet. It's not, you know, Walmart has, has announced a huge initiative um, and a lot of other companies are thinking about it, but really you need a lot of players to buy into that before it becomes a really okay. standardized and at scale system. And it's not there yet. So, you know, technologically for us, we can do a lot of the same things that the blockchain is trying to do on a traceability basis mm-hmm. through things like barcodes and uh, and just making sure that you actually have a ledger that is, is representative of the data. And that's the approach that we've taken. That's not to say that it won't scale at some point and provide a useful system, but, it's, but it, it isn't there yet. Uh, you know, the other thing is that the crops that we're dealing with, for the most part, are highly perishable. And so the supply chain and, and the benefit of growing indoors is that you can go most you can go closer to the point of consumption. the The idea behind a long, complex supply chain doesn't exist for the most part for the customers that we're serving. That's
1: a very interesting point to make.
4: Right, and so there aren't too many parties in the distrust supply chain for us. Um, distrust
1: supply chain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: It's TM'd, Allison, awesome. <laughs> <Awesome> TM'd.
1: <laughs> well, unfortunately, we have come to the end of our time. Which, you know, there's never enough time. I always feel that way on this show. We'll have to have you all back in another year, year and a half. Real quickly to close it out, if I invite you back and have you on Tech Bites in a year and a half. So we're looking at, you know, spring 2020. Matt, are we going to be here spring 2020?
3: <laughs> the doors will be open.
1: Excellent. Pizza will be waiting. Andrew, where do you see smallholds in spring 2020? What would you come back on? You think and be talking about?
5: Yeah, definitely. We can
1: circle some dates now if of you're
5: wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Um Definitely more retailers. Um, we're in. Uh, we're we're deep in negotiation for um, some some really interesting projects over the next year, um, growing on site uh, with with retailers, kind of both on the East Coast and, and other regions around the United States, and hopefully a team of. Forty-five. Wow.
1: Are are you hiring now too? (laughs)
5: Um, We're always we're always looking for uh, for farmers. Okay. Um, You know, it's it's uh, it's interesting in in New York City. uh, I think in a lot of other areas in the United States, it might be easy to find farmers, but. Um farmers are one of the hardest things to to really okay. find um here in the city. Right. At least ones that we, we, we uh that they can grow mushrooms and, and do everything we do. I think there's okay.
4: a shortage shortage right. nationally of farmers. <laughs> 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 That's
5: true, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Allison, where do you see a grow list in spring twenty twenty? So the, for us, I think the biggest thing that we're going
4: to be focused in on in the next year is how do we use the data in the system to leverage services for the growers. So I think w- what I'd love to see us be doing is um, is tapping into that data to provide things like uh, affordable financing for, for new operations, or uh, we're building out a marketplace on the inventory side currently where we can connect you to, to the manufacturers of seeds and fertilizer directly which will lower the input costs for growers. So I think the biggest transition we'll make is how do you get that data to a point where it's super serviceable and that you can provide things back to growers to really have some some financial impact for them.
1: Okay, well, we'll have you back in the spring of 2020, maybe April-ish, which will be nice. Um, we can talk about that. I'm assuming that we are still going to be on the air considering that Tech Byte started in January of 2015 so we got three years in the back. Maybe we have three years in the front. Tech Bytes is engineered by Matt Patterson. Our theme song is Nomad, a CPU track by DJ Uptown Nico. We broadcast live from the Heritage Radio Network studios inside Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm Jennifer Leuzzi, your host and producer, and this is Tech Bytes.